0: It's really hard sometimes to be a healthcare professional specifically during the holidays. This is a hard thing to talk about. My hope is that we unpack this together.
1: I I hadn't put it together. I I can be naive and I think my jaw hit the ground. Why am I feeling this way? I'm a healthcare professional. I should not be feeling sad.
0: This vision of walking out while, you know, people are hanging out, playing football in the yard.
1: What thoughts do you have for us in dealing with that in in real time, Katie, how are you?
0: Good, Alan. How are you?
1: Doing well and very very intrigued about what we're going to talk about today. So so, Katie, what are we discussing?
0: Alan, it's getting close to the holidays, which I love a good you know holiday themed anything. And so we were talking the other day, and we were thinking, you know what? It's really hard sometimes to be a healthcare professional specifically during the holidays. And so I think what we want to unpack on this episode is just what is it about being a healthcare provider during the holidays that might make it just a little bit harder? And then, really, what are some things that we can do to take better care of ourselves, better care of our teams, and just really kind of explore what that looks like?
1: Yeah. And as we try to do on all of our podcasts, we're going to be real here. So we're we're going to cover a wide range of things uh, around what it's like to be a healthcare professional during the holidays and not making any assumptions as we've done in the past. But as in using a couple of our own stories and examples, we hope that this is helpful for those of you out there, whether or not the holidays are a great time and you're looking forward to them. Or it may be a really tough season we're entering into. So we're definitely going to be very real about it today. And yeah, I think it's a very timely topic. And certainly it ties with some things we've talked about in earlier podcasts.
0: Yeah. And I want to say, Alan, I feel like out of the gate, like we took the mood down a notch because this is a hard thing to talk about. But also my hope is that as we unpack this together, because this is definitely something that I have struggled with, and my hope is that we can unpack some just little nuggets of wisdom for even for ourselves as we come into this holiday season. That even if you aren't working in healthcare, maybe you're a listener who you know finds nuggets of wisdom in this related to a job that's not in healthcare. Just that you would maybe just look at the holidays and working during them in a little bit different light.
1: Yeah, it's a great point, Katie. We will be talking about mindsets, and and also in this. As we'll, we'll mention, it, it's a giving and receiving. We want this to also be an opportunity for all of us to find individuals, whether it's a fellow healthcare professional, or as Katie mentioned, someone that is listening that's not in healthcare, who's someone in the healthcare world that you can encourage during this holiday season? So great insights there, Katie. We may be in a position where we can give. We want to be in a position where we can receive.
0: That's so good. So what do the holiday season look like for healthcare professionals?
1: Yeah, and I, I'm going to relate it to, to one of my own experiences, and, and, and Katie will do the same. I can remember when I first started as a pharmacist some 25 plus years ago, and I had been you know, a student Uh, up until that time and certainly had worked as a student uh, pharmacist during my time in in pharmacy school. But I always look forward to having that time off, you know, at Christmas or other holidays. And, you know, in school, we get a couple weeks off. And I remember my first Christmas as a pharmacist. And I worked for a great employer in a small town community pharmacy in western Oklahoma. And I remember going up to Jim, the pharmacist owner, and saying, OK, so what's the Christmas vacation going to look like? And, and I was being serious. This very kind gentleman said, well, Alan, yeah, we're going to close down at 1 p.m. on Christmas Eve, and then we're going to be open the day after Christmas. And I think my jaw hit the ground. Where would those where those two weeks go? I, I hadn't put it together. I can I can be naive. But I remember it hitting me, oh, I'm in the real world now. And guess what? Our patients have needs year round. Sickness, medications that need to be refilled don't take two week breaks. And it really hit me for the first time. Oh, wow. My break is going to look very different than I thought it would.
0: That's so interesting, Alan, because your story is so similar to mine, In the fact that it was right as I was a new, it was my first year in my job as a clinical dietitian. Now, mine was with Thanksgiving, but I think it was that transition from student to practitioner that hit particularly hard. I mean, we had summers off and long winter breaks since we were in kindergarten. I mean, this is like baked into who we are. And so for me, it was Thanksgiving <clears throat> and my husband was in dental school at the time, but I was already out of grad school and working. And the Friday after Thanksgiving, I had to work. Now, I was uh, lucky because I had the actual Thanksgiving day off, but the day after I went to work and the rest of the family, I mean, I have this vision of walking out while you know people are hanging out, playing football in the yard. And it probably isn't even true. My brain has probably populated. But that's how hard it felt for me to leave behind that day that used to be like all about family relaxation or shopping or all the things. And now I was having to go in and um, take care of other people. It was a shift. It was hard.
1: And to unpack that further, Katie, what was it like that day? You got the day off, but you knew... I'm going back to work tomorrow. What was the day like for you with that mindset?
0: Oh, that's a great question. I mean, it impacts everything because, you know, you're like you can't stay up too late and, you know, if you want to have an adult beverage or, you know, you've got to you really be thinking about, okay, I need to be prepared to be my best self tomorrow because that is a luxury that we don't have in healthcare. We don't have the luxury of staying out too late or um, not getting rest or over committing to things, and it same thing goes for the feasting day. I mean, don't get me started on you know how we celebrate Thanksgiving with food, but I'll come back to that. That's a good question. What about you?
1: yeah, and you talked about transitions katie and it and it was was so important. I remember going through a variety of motion emotions because Um, I didn't work in the same town that I was celebrating Christmas in. And it was only an hour and a half away. I mean, it seemed like hundreds of miles. And so the family's still there. They're celebrating, watching football, you know, having leftovers for dinner, you know, Christmas evening. And mom's, you know, fixing a care package and I'm on the road and it felt very lonely. I was single at that time, and so I was headed back to my apartment and knowing, okay, I'm back at it. My family, and it's the first time ever, and I'm at that point in my mid-20s, they're there enjoying it. And I remember feeling that, that isolation, that loneliness, and I also remember feeling some bitterness creeping in. Why am I having to leave? You know, you see all the people up and down uh, my parents' street and they're having a great time, you know, knowing some of them, they're off, you know, the next few days. And here I am driving in the darkness back to my apartment and then knowing I'm back at it tomorrow and Christmas is over. Yeah, there were a lot of emotions going through my head and, and I can remember thinking and even questioning This is just not fair. Why why am I the one that has to go and show up tomorrow?
0: Yeah. And you know what I think is really hard too, especially when I think about my work as a clinical dietitian. it's also that you're caring for people who don't want to be there during this time. Mm -hmm. The moral distress of having to take care of people who, yes, they would much rather be at home for Thanksgiving or at home for Christmas or whatever holiday they their family celebrates. And so that, to me, also required a little bit extra of that nurturing and that caring part. And when you juxtapose that with kind of feeling sorry for yourself or, or bitter, I mean, those are really competing emotions that you've got to navigate.
1: Yeah. So, Katie, what would be some initial thoughts? We always were real on this podcast. So I'm dealing with that isolation or resentment or sadness. Pick pick your emotion or or two. What tips, what thoughts do you have for us in dealing with that in, in real time?
0: Well, you know, one of the things I've learned, and this applies to this situation, to really anything, That I've been practicing. I still have some work to do. But in a situation like that, I feel like I have to take a minute to just name it, to identify it, to figure out, you know, do you ever have those days where you're just like, I am in a funk and I cannot figure out why. And if you really sit and you uh, meditate or you think about it, you can usually get to what is the root of that. And Very often I find that if I can name it and I know what I'm dealing with, then I can move on. Sometimes it's a matter of saying, you know what? I'm kind of ticked. That's fine. I'm going to put it away for this eight-hour or 12-hour shift, and then I can come back to it later to deal with it. But I do want to deal with it at some point because if we don't, we know what happens.
1: Yeah, great insights there, Katie. A couple things you said I want to circle back to. One, if if I'm hearing you correctly, you gave yourself permission to acknowledge those emotions that might not have been so pleasant and to say, I am ticked, I am angry, I am sad, whatever. And you named it. And I appreciate what you said about naming it with specificity. And we've talked about on, on previous episodes, the importance of naming things with specificity. What do I mean by that? Well, I'm just kind of blah. Okay. Or I'm really sad because I'm all alone in my apartment and everyone else is celebrating Christmas. We're putting more specificity around it and giving ourselves permission that, you know what? It's okay to feel that way versus what are my two go-tos that come into play? Guilt and shame. And I could go on and on down that that path. So I appreciate, Katie, what you're saying in... We're naming it with specificity. What is going on? I'm giving myself permission. And then to Katie's point as well is, okay, I might not be able to deal with that in this moment, but I'm going to deal with it. I'm not just shoving it down, hoping it'll just magically go away, ignoring it, whatever. It is something that I'm going to be very attentive to. And I think those are great insights for those of us like myself that, it was not okay. I didn't think it was okay to feel that way. And I'll just ignore it. It will go away. I'll be fine. Just get tough, Alan. Get over it. On and on. That self-contempt, as we've talked about, what happens with that? It ripples out into other-centered contempt, which what would that look like in, in practical terms? I begin to have that attitude to my patients, of which Katie said, Are they excited? to be in your clinic, your facility, your pharmacy the day after Christmas because they don't feel well.
0: Yeah, that's good. The other thing that comes to my mind is expectations. So can we talk about expectations? And I mean, a couple of different things I mean by that. Well, the first one is, (laughs) and maybe again, I was in my probably early 20s. Maybe that was just my, you know, I hadn't really lived enough life to realize this yet. But I kind of expected, I kind of half expected for people to like cheer me on and say like, good for you for going to work the day after Thanksgiving. But nobody did that. And so I think I had a little disappointment that, you know, it felt like, well, no one really sees how hard I'm working. Okay. What is the definition of frustration? It's when you have unmet expectations. And thinking about that, and how I expected my family or friends or others around me to kind of give me that, you know, a girl, and I didn't get it.
1: Yeah, I know I kept expecting to see, like, presents, you know, various uh, sugary items Uh, upon my uh, arrival. I mean, I thought Santa might show up, but like you said, it, it didn't happen. And then I had a choice to make. And I would like to be able to tell everyone that, oh yeah, I I made the healthy choice being for others, but that is not necessarily true. I was still being for myself. And, And this comes into the mindset of what is my mindset in those situations? And I don't mean that's easy to do, but can I get my mindset into this appreciation, this gratitude, even though it's really hard? And it's the both and. Again, what we're not saying is, oh, get over it. Don't feel that way. Mm -mm." I can be sad. I can feel lonely. And I can still really fight for the highest possible good of the patients I serve. I am not saying that is easy. It is very difficult. But as we have choice in how can I create a healthier mindset, and it always starts with us first, that is a choice I can make and that is a that was a tough choice for me to make but in doing so it reminded me once again of why I chose to be a healthcare professional and it was tougher the day after christmas it just was but still being able to serve those and serve them to to the best of my ability yeah
0: can we talk about another expectation And this is really just from my experience as a working mom in healthcare. So I'm going to put that hat on for a second and talk about how the holiday season tends to put expectations on us. And again, I'm just talking from my own experience, but where I have had seasons where I feel like not only do I have to do my job, do it well, continue with the same rigor, with the same level of patient care. But now also I have to, and this is just for Christmas, shop for Christmas presents, you know, move the elf on the shelf, make sure that everyone has, you know, the perfect Christmas present, plus bring whatever seasonal napkins to the kids' holiday party at school. There can be, if you let it, a lot of expectations outside of work. I think that's going to play an impact on the self that we bring to work as well.
1: Yeah. So so Katie, what do you do when you have all those expectations? And I kept visualizing it's a backpack. And everything you said from from the napkins to the gifts to you know having all the events on the calendar and those rocks just keep piling into the backpack and we're not saying those are bad at all, but weighty. So what do you do when those expectations are pushing against you from all directions?
0: That's a great question. It might require a whole other episode because that's something I've been working on for a long time. It is hard because at first pass, I think the answer is, I love that analogy, by the way, you take every rock and you look at it and go, okay, is this a rock that I'm willing to carry? Well, The Katie 10 years ago would say, yes, I'm going to carry all these rocks until the straps on the backpack break. But really probably a more reasonable and a healthier way of doing this is to really look at those rocks and go, okay, which one of these rocks do I still want here in 10 years? Which one is going to matter? Which rock can I share with someone else? Who do I have in my life that I can share these with? Or just say no to. I have a dear friend who likes to say, you know what, Um, I'm working on other, I'm I'm busy with other projects right now. Don't have to elaborate, but it comes back to where do you want to spend that time and that energy resource?
1: I think that could be an entire episode, Katie. I do.
0: And that's kind of what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, yeah, A lot of good
1: stuff, a lot of good stuff there. And I think it's an important concept, again, for us to really examine what are those things that I can say no to things that I give myself permission to say no to. And I think this is you really tapped into something that is so, I think, central to most, if not all of our healthcare professionals who lead and serve in their professional lives, who lead and serve in their personal lives. It's the both. And again, wonderful things that we celebrate but the pressure and the challenges that brings, and giving my per- self permission to say no, and how difficult that can be. There's also another part of that, Katie, and I would be curious again if you've experienced this because everything we've talked up until now as healthcare professionals has been our giving to others. It's why I would say all of us got into healthcare. At least that's my story. I wanted to give. I wanted to serve. Again, we celebrate that. I'm curious, Katie, if any part of what you shared, you received.
0: Oh, that's a great question. Um, no, I mean, I think you, you put me in the hot seat, Alan. No, when I think about holidays, I think about just giving until there's nothing left. Which is so contrary to, I don't remember what episode number it was, but the episode where we talked about resting first, taking care of yourself first. Okay. So I think I'm like having a moment here of revelation. So thank you.
1: And, and I say that, Katie, because that's a struggle we all have, if we're honest. And I'm not saying 50-50, but I am saying if you're not receiving it at all, you are in real risk of burnout. And that can especially happen at the holidays. And part of the reason that we're doing this podcast is so that all of us can go the distance. And how do we do that? Well, one way is we do say no. And that can be incredibly difficult. Katie mentioned expectations. What if I've always said yes to this individual who wants me to bake all these cookies for the neighborhood or to take all the family members into my home and to fix all the meal and to get all the gifts and all those things to say no when I have been saying yes consistently over time that is not an easy place to be but as we've mentioned many times can we put ourselves first at times and in doing so it gives us the ability to lighten that load, to be able to go the distance. So Katie, great examples there. And I appreciate your honesty and transparency.
0: Um, Alan, can we also talk about something? I was just looking at the show notes and I'm curious, did you write embrace the imperfection or, did, or was that me?
1: That was you, Katie. And I was, I, as a fellow Enneagram type one, I was just, I was giddy because I felt like you were going to share some insight and revelation. And I'm taking notes as someone who lives in the world of perfection. So the spotlight is all yours.
0: That must have been sincerely such an aspirational moment for me (laughs) to write Embrace the Imperfection. So that is not necessarily the Katie that showed up for the podcast tonight. It's funny because I bristled at that a little bit. So maybe that's something that we want to explore a little bit is embracing that imperfection. And, you know, as dumb as that sounds, maybe that's, you know, not doing the seasonal napkins for the kid Christmas party or whatever, or, you know, maybe not taking that extra shift that you almost always take for that person that you work with. Let that settle and see how that feels as being something that's imperfect. And again, I'm not talking about having imperfect patient care, right? What you perceive as being imperfect about how you approach that work-life balance during the holidays.
1: I'm glad you put that down, Katie, because I think it's a reminder. Well, I know it's a reminder for all of us who have these unrealistic expectations of ourselves. And we've given some examples here. I'm the one who does XYZ every year. And if my expectations of myself, you know, perfection, unrealistic, okay, I've got 10 balls I'm juggling in the air, especially at the holidays, and now all of them have to be perfect. Think of the added weight and pressure that brings. And then to Katie's point, if that's where I put all my time and energy in being perfect, then where. Does the imperfections tend to come out? I'll tell you, for me, it will come out at work. And this is not meant to, once again, pile guilt and shame on us, but the recognition and the prioritization of what is more important to me, ensuring my patients get the highest quality of care or that the cookies look exactly right. And that may seem like a bit silly, but the fact is that I cannot do everything perfect. As much as I tell myself that I cannot, none of us can. So where do I give myself permission in the imperfection space for me when I do that about things that truly don't matter, such as the cookies or the tablecloths or making sure the yard looks just whatever way or the tree, whatever, then I find I'm lighter. And here's the other piece of it. I'm more fun to be around. Mm-hmm. Because when I go into perfection mode and I can with the best of them, my seriousness scale goes through the roof. There's a time and place to be serious. As healthcare professionals, we know that. But is that the persona I want to be 24-7? If I look, what does it look like to me on the other side of Alan? That answer is no.
0: Yeah. no. I think it's such a great lesson. I'd also love to, I know we don't have time for it, but I'd love to unpack that from all of the different enneagram numbers because something that you were saying earlier about always saying yes to things the first thought that came into my head was enneagram 2 are you know people who love to take care of other people and how those different motivations would be part of it but i know that this is not an enneagram episode so i wanted to ask you this question though because this is a thought that popped into my head we're talking about <clears throat> being in healthcare and working in healthcare during the holidays and how that can be really hard. But what if we add to that, that the holidays are already hard for you because this is a time of loneliness or a time of loss, just in general?
1: Yeah, and that hits close to home, Katie. So let me share a story. And this is a story from 22 years ago. It's hard to believe it's been that long. So for my entire life up until that point, Thanksgiving, Christmas, are my two favorite holidays. And, and Thanksgiving in particular, because it was a time where I would get together with my uncle and aunt on my dad's side and my two cousins. We come from a very small family, but we were all fairly close. And so it was always a year of celebration. And I remember Thanksgiving 2001, my uncle was not feeling well and it was unusual because he was in pretty good health. And it was the first Thanksgiving I can remember in my lifetime up until that point, and I was 21, that we didn't get together at Thanksgiving, but we didn't think much of it. But the day after Thanksgiving, my dad gets a call that my uncle had been rushed to the hospital, that he had had a heart attack. And we still thought, well, he's going to be fine. He'd never had a heart attack before. We were not aware of any heart disease. It doesn't necessarily run in, in my family on that side. And so my mom, my dad, and I go to the hospital and wait there in the waiting room. And the doctor came out and said, he's not going to make it. And he had one of those Widowmaker heart attacks and he died. And so every Thanksgiving, though I love the holiday, it's different. And it's very different for my aunt and my two cousins. And I say all that because these memories, these people that we love that we may not have anymore can certainly impact, and we're relational beings. And so in that, though I celebrate Thanksgiving and enjoy it, I also can feel the loss still some 21 years later. And so, Katie, I appreciate you bringing that up because we've talked about assumptions, and so we never want to assume that the holiday is the best ever, it's the worst ever, but it does invite us to really take a moment and reflect, as Katie talks about often, and in that, the recognition of, you know what, I still miss my uncle, and that's okay. Not, I should be over it, well, it's time to move on. I can still reflect on how hard it was, and even thinking back to being in that emergency room and being completely shocked when the doctor came out. And so I say that there may be some of us out there listening, that's some of your story, or maybe you're experiencing something personally of a a health uh, issue to yourself. And so, as Katie mentioned, we want to recognize that. So, Katie, thanks for bringing up that question.
0: Yeah, and thank you for sharing that story, because I suspect with our listeners that there's a lot of people out there where they might be having a first holiday without someone, or like you said, you've lost someone near the holidays and there is that memory associated with it. And that really brings me back to thinking about a word you used earlier, which was mindset. Can we come back and talk about mindset for just a minute? Because I'm curious, like when you say mindset, like what is that? And why do you think it matters, particularly at the holidays?
1: Yeah. And and we can apply this to any time, but let's go holiday specific. And so when I say Thanksgiving, Christmas, because that's the holiday season we're in, or perhaps it's Hanukkah or something else you celebrate, what immediately comes to your mind? Again, this is not good, bad, right, or wrong, but being honest. Okay. For some, it may be this is a wonderful time. Others, I've had the sense of loss. Okay. So we're honest with ourselves. But when we talk about mindset, this is my mindset, my attitude's going to lead to my behavior. My, where my mind goes, so goes the actions. And this is the point where I have a choice to make. Just like I mentioned earlier, working the day after Christmas as a new pharmacist, my mindset driving to work that morning, and it was cold and dark, was not in a good place. Okay, I'm honest about it. But if I want to serve my patients, what can I do? And it starts with my mindset. So being aware of how am I feeling? What am I noticing? And instead of saying, Alan, shape up. Alan, stop it. That doesn't work for me. I have to replace those negative thoughts or the emotion that's just got me in a bad place with something else. And that's just how I operate. So what is something else I can focus on? that shifts my mindset to more of that negative place into a more positive place. It doesn't mean that all the things that I thought about previously have gone. They're still there. But I can choose to focus on something else. Again, as Katie has mentioned many times, we're not talking about perfection here. This is the progress. But when I can focus on something else, something that Uh, is positive for me, something that is a a wonderful memory. With specificity, I notice that my behavior begins to change. My demeanor begins to change. And so this is the challenge we all face. And it could be just a tough day at work. It could be having Thanksgiving without my uncle. What can I intentionally focus on, my mindset, my thoughts, that can lead to healthier actions. Why? This outer behavior is going to impact those around me. None of us, including myself, are that good to be able to contain it. And so, this is where for each of us, what is something we can focus on? And we're not gonna be presumptuous and tell you what that is. But I know for me, there, there are certain things that I can focus on at, at the holidays that get my mind into a better place, knowing it's going gonna, it's gonna to trickle back. This isn't a one and done, but the more I practice, the more I create these new neural pathways. This is the neuroplasticity we talk about, which is such a fascinating topic. And so identifying what the negative is, being very specific and giving ourselves permission to name it, no guilt and shame. What's the choice I can then make to focus on something that is more positive.
0: Okay, I feel like there's a lot to unpack there, Alan, and I wanna ask, but my first question is, do you have an example of a memory or something? like? What, tell me more, what is it that you think about to help change that mindset?
1: Okay, and I'm gonna give a Christmas one this time. I, I know I've talked some about Thanksgiving, and, and this is one that I will bring back to mind often, Um, around the Christmas season, when I'm getting cut off in traffic by someone going to the mall to shop. And I'm already finding my mindset's not in a good place. So when I was in the third grade, and yes, I'm a child of the 80s. I won't make references to 80s music at this moment. That's another episode. But I was in the third grade. And at the time, I was a huge Dallas Cowboys football fan. So I can name you all the players on the team. I won't do that as well. But I love the Dallas Cowboys, and and it was in October of that year that um, my parents and I went to um, this festival in a town near where I grew up, and there were some vendors there, and one of the vendors had a Dallas Cowboys Christmas ornament, and it was the actual helmet with the logo, and it had been made out of, in essence, like cookie dough, hardened And I saw it, and I thought that was the greatest thing since sliced bread. I mean, it was jackpot. And so um, bought that, took it home. Keep in mind, this is October. And then just began having conversations about, wow, that is so cool. What about the other, I think there were 26, 28 teams at that point in, in the NFL, What would it look like to have a helmet like that of all the teams? And so my mom began the process. I can still remember this like it was yesterday. And we're talking, oh, 30 years, 35 years ago, where she made the dough and and she had a, a football helmet cookie cutter. And then she put them in the oven. And I had a book of all the helmets. And then she started painting them one by one, until Christmas, and they were all there and on a tree. And yes, true to Dallas Cowboy form, there was a Dallas Cowboy star at the top of the tree. I say all that because now some, as I mentioned, what, 40 years, 45 years later, when we go to my parents' house, that tree makes an appearance every year. And it takes me back to being a third grader. And so again, these memories, I can remember the details, what were the sights, the sounds, the smell, all of those things, even as I'm talking, like there is a warmth and just a gratitude that's flowing through me at this moment. And so the more specific one can be, whatever it is, the better.
0: That's so good. I am just sitting here with this lovely, warm smile on my face. My only disappointment is that there is not a picture of third grade Alan next to this tree. I feel like you've disappointed us. So maybe that's embracing the imperfection of this moment. But uh, at some point, we got to see the picture of this tree.
1: (laughs) Katie, just think of me with not the gray hair and my bangs that are just barely above my eyes. And you'll have a really good depiction of Alan as a third grader.
0: Okay, thanks. I'll circle back to that. I love that suggestion because, again, I think it's something that we can do that doesn't require much extra energy. It's something that we can do that really ties us to who we are and who we want to be instead of the hustle the just keep going just keep plugging you know nature of of how we tend to be during the holidays it's a great suggestion
1: and Katie it goes back to something you've said multiple times and this is the intentional versus accidental let me be very clear this memory doesn't just naturally come to mind when that person cuts me off to get that last parking spot at the mall i don't immediately go to Wow, when I was in third grade, I remember that football helmet tree. It takes intentionality because my natural tendency will be to go to a different place. Again, what we're not saying is, don't you think that. You should not think that. That's not what we're saying. But I have choice and how can I shift that mindset sooner rather than later. Because the more and more I go down that path of you're taking the last parking spot, it will ripple out into behavior. It will ripple out to those around me. It might be friends and family who catch the wrath of that. So it's the intentionality in that space. It is not an easy thing for me to do, but when I'm intentional and goes back to something else Katie said, and I slow down and I give myself a second, it gives me more of an opportunity to reflect versus staying in the frenzy Of being mad and I can get mad with the best of them. So this is why we talk about that change of pace and I think during the holidays that's especially relevant because there's a lot to do. There's little time. We're all in a rush. As Katie mentioned, you know, all the demands, not only professionally in the patients we serve, but then all the expectations of the things outside of that. Can I slow down for just a moment? Re- focus on something else, and then go, okay, yeah, what can I do moving forward?
0: That's so good. So we've talked about a lot of different things, and I want to try to kind of distill it down to the so now what? I mean, I think that's the question that we always want to ask is, okay, we've identified this as a problem. We've talked about, you know, what this might look like for us, but so now what, Alan?
1: Yeah, and, and it's great to be able to distill this down because there's a lot of things we've talked about, and I'm a very practical person, and I love to ask the question, so now what? Well, I, for first, I would say take an honest self-assessment, and this may be multiple times. I might be in a really good place going to the mall. By the time I'm there, maybe not so much. Or I'm driving to work the day after Thanksgiving, the day after Christmas. So an honest self-assessment. If you want to use 1 to 10 with 1, I'm angry, I don't want to be here. 10, I'm great, I'm glad to be here, whatever. But be honest with yourself. Again, this is not right or wrong, good or bad. And for some of us, I, we have to ask that question. Because to me, 1 is bad, 10 is good. And the way I'm wired. So take that honest self-assessment. Another thing that we've not touched on so much on this podcast, but we've mentioned in others, is don't keep all this to yourself. Talk to someone else, and it's someone you trust. I have a real strong tendency as a very high preference introvert, as a very independent person, to keep it to myself. I don't want to burden someone else. I'm fine. I can handle it. Those do not work. Who is someone I can talk to? Keeping it to ourselves, it will come out. And more than likely, it will come out in unhealth rather than health. We've made some, I don't know, assumptions, but we've emphasized if you are one that's struggling, and we want to be very clear that there are many of us who are. But let's say that you're a leader. You are an owner. You are a healthcare professional. And you're doing really well. But you notice some of your team are not. What are some things that you can do? I'm not saying it is your responsibility to take that person out of that pit of despair. What can I do to encourage him or her? What can I intentionally seek to be in helping serve that person? Maybe it's listening. Maybe it's ordering their favorite cookie. There's nothing insignificant here. So can I be aware of others around me? My tendency is to go very internal, and I don't see the people around me. How can I be more intentional with those around me? The last thing we'll say, and I want to get Katie's thoughts on these, is what can I celebrate? It is easy, again, for me, and I'm just I'm giving you some of my tendencies. They may or may not resonate, and that's okay. I can go to the negative place. I go to the imperfections. I go to the 10% that didn't go well. I can do the same at the holidays. Well, this didn't go well. I can't do X, Y, Z. Okay, I'm being honest. Once again, that's fine. But what can I do? What can I celebrate? What are some things that bring me joy? And can I be more intentional in that space? Knowing there's going to be a lot of stuff that doesn't bring me joy. We live in reality and it, it's the, the both ends. So what can I celebrate? My tendency, again, can be if I can't celebrate everything, then I tend to not celebrate anything. That will impact the people around me. That will impact the patients I serve.
0: And I, thank you, Alan. And I love that you added that that specificity. That's definitely something that you've taught me because it changes the narrative, at least for me. It changes the narrative. From the, oh, I'm just going to celebrate. It almost feels like I should celebrate or I should be happy about this thing. But when I can just nail down what is one specific thing that happened today or that's happening right now that I can celebrate, it takes that pressure off to just have to feel happy or have to feel joyful. It separates that for me. And so I think that specificity piece is really important. And sometimes it's just like, you know what, I'm going to celebrate that I made it safely to work today and I'm here and I've got a job and I've got people to care for and I've got things to do and I'm going to celebrate that. Because sometimes that's just where you are and that's okay.
1: It's a great point, Katie, you make about there are no insignificant celebrations. We celebrate big things. We my wife and I celebrated the, the graduation of a dear friend from college this past weekend. Wonderful. But to Katie's point, can I celebrate the fact that I served that difficult patient today, that one yep. patient who gets under my skin, and I served him or her well? Can I celebrate that? Yep. There are no insignificant celebrations here.
0: It's good. It's so good.
1: Well, Katie, any final thoughts? We've talked about a lot of different things, but I'm curious if there's anything else swirling in your mind.
0: No, I I think I'm ready for some hot cocoa and some pumpkin pie, but also just to get out there and spend some time thinking about these celebrations and expectations and mindset. So thanks for chatting about this.
1: You're welcome. And it all starts with that intentionality. Yep. And so we want to encourage all of you listening, as we're encouraging ourselves, start practicing now. What is something that even today, tomorrow, that I can appreciate, that I can celebrate, a a memory that comes back that is that football helmet tree for me, and, and you can fill in the blank for yourselves. And so, Katie, as always, enjoyed our conversation.
0: Same here. See you next episode.
1: Looking forward to it.